Israelites were being asked to eat this Passover meal in a way that showed their absolute readiness to leave Egypt immediately. They did this in a way that demonstrated their willingness to leave right away, immediately. I mean, roasting meat over fire is the quickest way to cook it, plus there's no cleanup. Bitter herbs were the easiest supplements to find and the quickest to prepare. Bread made without yeast made relatively quickly. It didn't need to rise. Plus, it's easier to transport bread made without yeast than it is bread that has risen. And if you look at verse 11, no one had their staff in their home. Staff was for the outdoors when you needed balance or protection, and sandals were always removed when you entered the home. But here, they're asked to have their sandals on, but most striking of all, typically a person in the ancient Near East, they tuck their cloak into their belt to get ready to run. These people were getting ready to leave and leave quickly. Now listen to this next section. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn. Remember that. Both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. We've been talking about that for weeks, how God has carefully and strategically targeted the different gods that, that the Egyptians worship. And here, he's, he's about to take down what might have been their mightiest god of all, Osiris. I am the Lord, and the blood, the blood, remember this one, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And on that dreadful night, it happened just as the Lord had said it would. He did this thing. Now, to wrap it up, I'm going to read verses 29 through 32. If you would, bring us 29 through 32. Thanks, Thomas. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. And during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, leave, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks, your herds, as you've said, go. And also bless me. Now this was such a momentous event in the life of the people of Israel. I don't think they could have ever forgotten it. But God wanted to make sure of that, so he instituted a brand new celebration. He told them, verse 17 of this same passage, all of your descendants must celebrate this day. This is a law from now on. And then in verse 26, later on, he said, look, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? Then tell them, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel and Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And so, that's what they did. They ate this meal and they remembered for generations. Of course, they did it, they did it honestly, they did it somewhat inconsistently, more or less wholeheartedly through the years. But over time, generation after generation, this meal was celebrated, at least in the homes of the faithful. 
And, and it was always done in remembrance of, of God's great rescue of his people. Now, for those of you who have participated in a Passover meal, and, and many of you have, we did this this year at Gateway. We had a whole corporate, the whole church got together, and we, we tried to do a Passover meal together. You know that this is a, if you've done this before, you know this is a very elaborate meal and a very elaborate ceremony. What you may not know is that most of the ceremony that we see today was uh, developed in the Middle Ages. The whole celebration would have been much, much simpler in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, they would have gathered in their home as a family or as a small community of friends in someone's home. They would have prepared their home for the celebration. They would have prayed over it for a few days. They would have made sure they didn't have any leaven in the home. Leaven is what makes bread rise. Leaven was also a symbol for the Jews of sin. They would have baked matzah bread, which is bread without leaven. It's kind of like a cracker. Thomas, I've got a picture of a piece of matzah. It looks like this. To cook effectively, the matzah is pierced with a fork, so it comes out with lines of holes in it, and it cooks in a way that it looks kind of bruised. Can you see that? The matzah would have reminded them of the need to be sinless and, and of the reality that God was that choosing God's way means leaving everything else behind because that's what happened on this night. They would also, during the celebration, drink four cups of wine during the meal. And these cups are based on the promises, the four promises of God from Exodus chapter 6 and 7. Thomas, give us Exodus 6 and 7 if you would. So the four promises of God, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you, second cup. Third cup, I will redeem you. Fourth cup, I will take you as my own people. Now the centerpiece of the meal would have been a spotless, perfect lamb. It would have been sacrificed just like the Israelites had done on that first Passover night, and they would have remembered the blood painted on the doorpost as an act of obedience to to, to God and to the gracious offer that God had made them. Remember what I said at the beginning of the day? That whole event was a prequel to the greatest story ever told. And year after year, over and over, they reviewed the prequel In almost every circle of friends for generations, they observed and they remembered that original event. And then, 1,400 years later, 1,400 years after the events of the Exodus, Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate that same Passover meal, only this would be the last night of Jesus' life. But while they ate the meal, no one knew that except Jesus. They gathered for what the disciples thought would be a typical Passover meal. They had no idea that they were about to witness something brand new. They had no idea that Exodus 12 had really been the prequel to what they were about to see. They gathered just like Jews had done for 1,400 years. And we read about it in Luke 22, and I I want us to go there now. Thomas, go to Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go go find a house. And evidently, he had already made some arrangements. Remember, they would gather in homes as a small community. He's with his buds. Go, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And now I want you to hear what happened at the meal. Many of you are familiar with this. But for this, again, if you would, stand up, 
gather in your circles, and you read verses 14 through 22 together in your circle. I'm sorry, 14 through 18. So you get in your circle, and you read verses 14 through 18 of Luke 22. Let's stand. So let's review. At the beginning of the meal, Jesus took the matzah bread. He broke it. Look, look, look. He didn't say, let's remember Yahweh and the night he delivered our ancestors from the grip of Egypt. He didn't say, this matzah represents our willingness to leave everything behind. It represents God's great provision for us on that great night of rescue. No, he didn't say any of that. Instead, he said, this matzah, which is a representation of God's provision for us and of, of perfect sinlessness, this is my body given for you. Do it in remembrance of me. You know, later on in, in the years right after uh, Jesus' death, when they, would, when they would celebrate this meal together, the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate together in a minute, I, I think they must have reflected on the fact that the matzah was pierced and striped and it was bruised, just like Isaiah had described the suffering servant. But on the night Jesus first said all of this, wait, what, what did he just say? It sounded like he was saying that that whole conflict between Pharaoh and Yahweh, that that was about him. It, it sounded like he was saying that he's God's provision. Wait, what? Without question, the disciples must have eaten that meal in complete confusion. Now, I believe with all my heart that the most important question that anyone will ever answer is, who do you believe Jesus is? And I believe all of us have to answer that, even if we do it unconsciously. The reason I bring this up is because Jesus' claim here at this meal is absolute lunacy, or it's the most striking claim in the history of human beings. At the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup. Now, this would have been the third cup right after the meal. They've done the first two cups. This would have been the third cup at the end of the meal. And this is the cup of redemption. Remember, Thomas, give us one more slide. I laid out the, uh, the, the four cups and what they represent. They would have done the first two cups during the meal. The third cup now is the one Jesus has. It's right after the meal. And this, this relates to the promise from, Egypt's, uh, from Exodus 6. I will redeem you. I will pay the price for whatever has enslaved you. Jesus took the cup. And instead of saying, we remember the blood of the perfect spotless lamb that was sacrificed that night in, in Egypt. Instead of that, he said, this cup, it now represents a new agreement with God. Not based on the blood of a perfect lamb, but based on my blood. Are you beginning to see the significance of this? You know, all of us, we need a Savior not just the ancient Israelites. And in Jesus, we have one. Let's, uh, choir, let's stand. I'm going to ask us to join the worship team and just right in the middle here, let's sing a couple of songs. I'm going to pray us into that. Father, I pray that your 
doing a work in our hearts and our lives, even if we're watching this at home, Lord, I pray that um, we remember Jesus. And this morning, we, uh, we celebrate our Savior. 